Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To music of the mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 165, and it's about the themes of Ultimo Dragon. And today I am joined by a returning guest here on the show. He is one of the hosts of Open the Voice Gate on the VW Network and the main man of Spears Ovations. It's Mike Spears. Hello again, Mike. Hey, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I have now watched so many different versions of Separados in preparation to talk <laughs> all about the principle today. We'll get to that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's great to have you back on as always here, Mike. Uh, I think last time you were on uh, since then, you've actually moved, right? You've, you were in Texas now, I believe. Yes, I think this is the first show that we've done since my big move. I was uh, based in uh, the foothills of the Appalachians for about eight years, and I moved back to my hometown of Fort Worth, Texas in 2023. And it's actually quite fortunate that we are recording right now because, Andrew, today is the first day that we broke our 100-degree stretch throughout all of July. We're, We're 97 today. 97, baby. Mazel tov. Congratulations on that. <laughs> hey, it, it, it is something. I, I, I do have to say that like getting used, to getting readjusted to Texas summers, it is something that you do go like, come on, 97. Come on, 97. I don't need 105 again. Oh, it's 106. That's a whammy. <laughs> it's been pretty hot here, too, lately, so don't feel too bad. You're not, you're not alone in this case, so don't worry about that. Yeah, but uh, but actually, it's funny. I'm in the process of moving myself. Um, it's it'll be a much 
shorter commute for me, uh, literally down the street, you know, from where I'm at right now, so that'll be pretty easy, but overall, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can agree on this, Mike, you know, the whole moving process is such a, a giant pain in the ass, you know? Oh, it, I'm, it, it, and it's one of those things that distance, like, you're so fortunate that you are so close, because I feel like distance just compounds everything, and it, and even stuff, like, a summer move is the worst. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm keeping you in my thoughts because of that. Because, geez, I could just only imagine like trying to move now, let alone up in Boston area. That that just has to be harsh right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you getting you know a house is different than me and my you know new tiny studio apartment, of course. But, but still, you know, the, the market in Boston, yeah, it's right now, it's it's insane. Everyone's scrambling for a place. I mean, I got super lucky because the one that I got was listed the day I found it online, and I jumped on it as soon as I could because yeah, it's it's a mad dash, man. It's nuts. It, you know, that does not surprise me. I got my place I ended up with was on the market for. I actually saw a preview. It was I saw the house before it went on the market, and I offered right as it went on the market. It's just something that everything is so accelerated and insane and overinflated at this point with everything that I, I I'm wondering for if we're going to reach a certain point where people just go like, uh, "What are houses? Do we need those anymore?" <laughs> just because it's gotten that insane of a process. Yeah, my favorite thing is you know you go on like apartments.com or rent.com or whatever. And if there's a listing there and there's a phone number, you, you call it, no one answers. Leave a message, no one gets back to you. Or what I love, especially, no contact info whatsoever. You know, that, that's also so much fun, Mike. It's, oh, oh he, he, the online form, it, it, they'll reach out to you. The online form, they'll get back to you. Uh, so, so in your process, have you had to deal with realtors? Because I've gone through the whole gamut of that. And I feel like, like, no... Uh, the, the, I, I am not trying to go on an anti-realtor campaign this Sunday, but it, it, it is something that like just being exposed to this sort of thing. And I just go like, oh, realty, the, if you're someone that you are just a little bit flaky, I have the job for you. Go be a realtor. <laughs> well, the guy I worked with on this one was very, very helpful. So uh, there is at least one good realtor out there in the world, Mike. So there is that comfort, I suppose. <laughs> All right, we're all moving to uh, Massachusetts. We're taking advantage of Andrew's good realtor. We're <laughs> all going to, it's going to be no stress. Uh, we're not going to worry about uh, closing fees. We're all just going to go up there to do with this guy that's probably going to go insane with all the wrestling people who just suddenly have decided to use his realty service. <laughs> well, this might even be even crazier here. Uh, I'm moving in on September 1st, but I'm flying out the very next day to Chicago for All Out. So oh, it's going to oh be a... Very busy weekend for your pal Andrew there, Mike. So, <laughs> hey, I, I I did something kind of similar. I departed my move over WrestleMania week, over WrestleMania week. So you, I, at least the nice thing is that you'll get the keys, you'll get the stuff over there. Like you maybe will we'll tackle a box or two, but then you're like, you know what? Don't have to worry about this. I'm at, I'm going to Chicago, baby. I'm yeah. out of here. I don't have too much stuff either, so it won't be that bad. I don't think so. Uh, there, yeah, here you go. Yeah, but um. But anyway, Mike, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, one of the legends of Japanese pro wrestling, the father of the Dragon System, the principal of Dragon Gate himself. Yes, it's Ultimo Dragon. And um, funny enough, uh, this is technically not the first time I've done an Ultimo episode, because a few years ago, I did a solo show about a dub theme that Ultimo had during the J-Crown tournament, uh, Secret by Steve Vouse. But uh, no dub themes here today, Mike. We're talking about the proper songs here. And um, Ultima, like I said, 
He's a legend, uh, you know, in the world of Lucharezu and all that that whole style. He's one of the guys, capital T, capital G, and uh, especially in you know Torimon and that whole lineage. He's the guy, Mike. Yeah, so it, it's something that uh, the overall I always call it a tree, just because it's a lot easier way I think for people to conceptualize it. The root of the tree is Grand Hamada in the 80s with uh, Universal Lucha Libre. But then in the early 90s, you have what's considered kind of the second generation of Lucha S. And Ultimo kind of is the person first and foremost when you talk about 90s uh, wrestlers of that style. And it's something that's even harkening back to how he developed his vein of that and similar very much similar to grand hamada but i mean you, you look at how this tree kind of developed and it, it, it's really kind of fascinating to me like you have ultimo in mexico while all of these other wrestlers of his size that were recruited by like grand hamada and weren't able to get through the dojo systems and it kind of produced this style that with him hamada of course is the grandfather of it but that also like Great Sasuke, uh, personal favorite of my Masako, uh, Masato Yakashiji, a lot of people of that era, Grand Nanawa, come out of that. And I think when you really think about this style, when you really boil down to it, there there's two wrestlers you really think of with it, if we're talking about it overall. And if the first name that doesn't come to your mind is Ultimo Dragon, when you're talking about the combination of Lucha Libre and traditional Japanese pro wrestling and a junior heavyweight rapper then he's probably the next name on your lips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first time I saw him, it was uh, 2003 SmackDown. And at the time, obviously, I had no idea about his history before WWE. You know, I had no idea about Lucha Rez and, and what that was or what Toriyaman was. I had no idea about his time in Mexico and all that stuff in New Japan and war and other Japanese companies. I mean, you know, the, the, the picture of him with the J-Crown belts, that famous picture and course his wcw stuff as well i had no idea about any of that and they never really gave him a serious push in wwe either but i still got hooked on him because he had a cool look i love the mask and the gear he had a cool entrance which we'll get to later on and he had a really, a really cool move the asai ddt which just oh, blew yeah. my mind back in the day and that's a true story here when i bought here comes the pain the first guy i wrestled as was ultima dragon because i wanted to do the asai ddt in the game you know, it, and, and as time has gone on, I've I've definitely learned and watched a bunch of his stuff from the '90s and from Japan and all that, and and now I see him, you know, in Dragon Gate, of course, nowadays. But even as a kid, you know, without any knowledge of all that stuff, he just had this kind of alluring aura about him in a way, Mike. Yeah, he has like it. It's almost mystical in a way, and it's something that a kind of aura that I feel like is absent that because like you i had a very similar thing i'm i'm a little bit older than you but my first exposure to ultimo dragon was through wcw nwo world tour it was one of those things that you see this guy and i was a wwf kid at that time when i uh, during the attitude era or whatever the late 90s but the wcw games were much better even though so like we would always go get uh world tour or revenge and having Ultimo Dragon there, because like you had all the, the goofy guys at the end that when you're 10 or 11, you don't know, like, okay, Aki, because of everything, this is actually adapted from virtual pro wrestling, and these are 
Aki Mansma, Saharu Masao. You don't know that when you're 10 or 12. You think like, oh, those are like weird add-on characters. But you see this mask guy and he just seems so cool. And and I think the thing about the uh, 2003 and WWE thing and all, all the layers to this is it, it develops a character in a way that you don't really see nowadays. And I don't know if that is just the change of pro wrestling media or what have you, but Ultimo kind of is the last of the breed of the, I would say larger than life superstar, because I don't feel that way when I happen on a show and it's Kazuchiko Okada coming out. I don't happen that way of John Moxley or CM Punk, but you see Ultimo and he's kind of this last world warrior that has this aura that just from the jump, I think whenever anyone first, a, first comes across him it's impossible not to be drawn in by just the trappings of ultimo dragon mm-hmm. well i think the mask does help in a lot of ways i mean there's that that air of mystery about him i guess with his face covered i suppose yeah um but i mean you know as far as ultimo goes with you know there's ultimo the wrestler obviously we can talk about him all day but but ultimo the trainer too i mean look at the list of students that he had it's it's shima it's don fuji it's dragon kid you know genki yoshino and doi all the old favorites and many more and yes, some guy named Kazuchika Okada, you know, that, that old fella. And I'm not saying that Okada owes half his paycheck to Ultimo, but, but a little taste won't hurt every now and again, Mike, I think, you know, a little, <laughs> little contribution to the old retirement fund every now and again, you know, what wouldn't hurt. I, you know, I think Ultimo got his, uh, he took the payday in 2007 is what I'll say <laughs> on, on Kazuchika Okada. He had that chance for that, but, uh. Yeah, I would imagine in 2023, he would rather, you know, still have royalties off the old Rainmaker. And I, I think that would almost put in a full like pool on his uh, massive estate in Mexico. But it, it, it's something that he's such a unique figure, if only for. So uh, in five months from now, we'll come across January 31st, which will actually be the 25th anniversary of the Dragon System's arrival in Japan, and it's considered the actual like anniversary date of the Dragon System. And even from that day, it, it, not just training, he understood that in 1999, with how the wrestling industry was working, at least in Japan, that there was a massively underserved market with uh, with women and teenagers, and he focused on that in 2009. And if you look at how the industry has changed over the last 25 years, I think that there's a direct through line with how he presented Torimon that day to how the with New Japan, with how they have tried to promote, with stardom, with all that. I think all of that harkens back to at least one way or another, Ultimo Dragon and Torimon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good-looking people uh, sell tickets. Is the uh, you know that that's kind Big of the shock. main ethos? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, and and nowadays, Ultimo he's still wrestling. He's still around. He is uh, like we said, the uh, the legend Dragon Gate, the principal of the high school uh, back in the fold. And um, you know, obviously, Mike, he's not the Ultimo of yesteryear in the ring. That that's for sure because he's. 56 years old, he's wrestled for over 35 years, and he had to retire at one point because of a, an injury, a nerve damage in his arm because of a surgery, but look, he gets in there in these tag matches, he does his few spots, they hit the finish, and he goes home. And you know what, Mike? Hey, look, at this point, fine by me. 
Yeah, and it's something that it's such a unique thing with Ultimo back in Dragon Gate. Now we're actually coming up like next year will be five years of in the in the era of Ultimo being a person talked about versus just whispered and uh, dispersion said. But it's something where it, it it's kind of interesting, and it's one of those things that I think. Uh, kind of like like an ongoing discourse with dragon gate amongst international fans as what is this dragon gate is this the dragon gate that i knew whenever i got in and versus that and ultimo kind of plays a, a part of that just because of his presence and the, the the fact that this is a this is a businessman we'll probably talk about how much of a businessman ultimo dragon is several times here <laughs> but it, it, it's something where at the end of the day he goes in he kind of has, uh, I, I would say, virtually the same match, it, as long as it's not a big show or things going on with them. He goes in there. I can almost call it, 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 it it's like the, it, it's like Rich Krejci and Pentagon Jr. at uh, AAW. You could pretty much go through the motions, but it's something that it is just remarkable to kind of see that happen. A guy that is willing to kind of do a house show match, and it's, not not a bad house show match. It's just Ultimo. He is a part of it, and then on you deal with that, so you get the incredible mask match and the feud he had with Diamante. It's kind of a give and take, but it's a very different kind of feuding than you would talk about the J Crown and Great Sasuke uh, twenty years ago. It's its own thing, but it's kind of Ultimo and Twilight has been a really fun thing to see. I guess I'll say. Mm-hmm. And I do love how he he keeps teasing the Asai moonsault every now and again. Because, you know, I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, hitting that one anytime soon. But you never know, Mike. I mean, crazier things have happened, so. We got the Asai DET. That was we got we, I... did, we did get that. We did get that, thankfully. Yes, yes. So so the Moonsault, I, who knows? I think that it's something that he's just going to constantly go. And as long as the crowds react to it, he's going to make that tease. I don't think he's ever going up for it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I've watched enough Charlie Brown to know that Charlie's not going to kick that football. <laughs> Look, if he's not climbing over a cage, he's not doing a springboard moonsault. Okay, it's just you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. But that—that's Ultimo for you, though. Yeah. Well, let's get to these themes here, and uh, the way we're going to do this one here, Mike, we'll do it in four sections. We're going to do a medley of his themes that he had at CMLL in Mexico. Then we're going to do a medley of his WCW themes. Then we're going to go over to his WWE theme, and then we'll do the big finale with his best-known theme, Separados. So. We'll streamline this thing, make it nice and easy, and uh, really embody the spirit of Ultimo Dragon, Mike. Get in, get out, and sip a nice drink. Absolutely, and if we're so lucky, we can get back to our hacienda and get into our mask and cigar room before 8 o'clock. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we'll start off here in Mexico. Uh, Dragon, of course, started his career in Japan, in places like UWA and UWF. Not that one, a different one. Um, trained by another Luchareza legend that you mentioned earlier there, Mike, Gran Hamada, under his real name, Yoshihiro Asai, which, uh, by the way, Asai Moonsault, if you're wondering where the name came from, there you go. But in 1991, he goes to CML in Mexico and becomes Ultimo Dragon, the last dragon. And he had a bunch of themes there over the years, all the ones I could find anyway. So let's enjoy this little medley of Ultimo Dragon CMLL themes. Hit it, Johnny. Los invito a bailar sopa de caracol. Guatanegui con su yupi pati, yupi pati. 
consu, guata winegi guanaga, guata winegi consu, guata winegi guanaga, si tú quieres bailar, sopa de caracol, guata negi
songs in order here are Sopa de Caracol by Caramelo Caliente, Drifted in a Deeper Land by Ray Lynch, Chung Kuo by Vangelis, Panama by Van Halen, London no Yoru no Ame by Michio Miyagi and Tomoko Sunazaki, Back to the Future by Alan Silvestri and the Atatime Orchestra, and Killer Instinct by Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate. So a very eclectic mix of music here, Mike, that's for sure. Uh, everything from Latin dance music to ethereal new age to electronica, Van Halen, Back to the Future. It's a real hodgepodge, as they say. But uh, listen, it's Mexico, and the uh, music stylings of Lucha Libre are uh, quite chaotic, I think. So uh, it's to be expected, Mike, for sure. Yeah, this is just this show that for those of y'all that liked when Roosh used Chris Benoit's WWE theme song, the uh, <laughs> uh, th- I, I, whatever, whenever he was using that theme song, th- th- there's a rich tradition. There's a rich tradition of that kind of stuff. I, I, I guess like the way that I would kind of look at this medley in a lot of ways is that it, it you kind of like, like I'm your eyes drawn towards it when I'm looking at like the playlist it's it's Panama it's Van Halen and it's something where when we're talking about early 90s and Ultimo and especially like the uh the the giant scuttlebutt that a one Yoshihiro Asai is uh, is allegedly quite a handsome man that I just oh, we'll like, get to that. We'll get to that. For oh, sure. oh, oh, absolutely. Well, I, I just think like he loses the mass match. He has to wrestle the remainder of his career as a side. And I just think Panama works perfect for like baby face. You, you know, like the, you could almost hear in your head the come on baby. A undercard baby face says as they're coming out to this music. Like <laughs> it's ultimate. It's perfect for a baby face unmasked Ultima. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, well, to me, this medley does, I think, the best job of expressing Ultimo's existence within the two worlds, you know, as the Lucharezu guy. You know, on the one hand, he made his bones in Mexico. The gimmick came from Mexico. He learned the Lucha style. So that is represented with a song like Suba de Caracol, of course. And on the other hand, he is Japanese. He is the dragon. He's a pearl legend. So yeah, we've, you've also got the east asian music in there too so it it plays to both sides of that coin i think and uh yes there's van halen as well but uh that's just a kick-ass song and ultimo did kick ass in his heyday so uh that works too mike i suppose yeah and it 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 is something that i find very interesting the propensity for like ray lynch and vangelis like that style of not even new age i know ray lynch was very much against that but the uh, alternate uh, alternative music that kind of was coming out there. I mean, like I, the the thing that got me was I did not know that there was another Vangelis song other than Chariots of Fire. <laughs> He's had a very big career. Uh, rest in peace, Vangelis. Uh, he, had a, he did a lot of music over the years. So, um, yeah, so he's he's very prolific for sure. Yeah. However, the uh, the the. the the thing that got me what went before as I was listening to the medley, getting to the last song there, I was going, "Oh, that's very familiar." And then looking up exactly who Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate are, they are the house, or they are at one time the house uh, uh, composers for Rare Entertainment behind the game Killer Instinct. Yep, that's that's the thing from it. It's from the game, yeah, yeah, which is kind of perfect for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well to me the big question mark is the back to the future theme. 
yeah. that's kind of the odd man out here, you know. But but I'm just picturing like Doc Brown stepping out of a DeLorean and being like, "It's a kid's Ultimo. They're gonna start their own promotion without you. There's gonna be a monkey scandal and something called Strong Hearts. We gotta stop them." You know, I, I, I can picture that for sure, Mike. So so so, so Shima's Biff Tannen, right? <laughs> Like, th- th- there's no other way. Like, like that has to be him. Like, he's the one that, you know, the timelines would be greatly manipulated that there would be a world, that there would be a giant great casino. Listen, I- I'm not saying I want Shima land, you know, but it- it'd be a fun time, I think, for some, for some people. I think it'd be fun. I-, I bet the T-Hawk ride at Shima land will be quite disappointing. Oh, you. Oh, you. But... Moving on now to WCW, where uh, Ultimo had his first and most noteworthy major American run. Uh, he was Cruiserweight Champion. He was TV Champion. Uh, he had Sonny Ono as his manager. Um, but to me, the most famous part of that run was that when he got there, they called him the Ultimate Dragon for like the first year. And, you know, it's, it's technically true because Ultimo can mean ultimate in Spanish. You know, an ultimate and last are, are synonyms. But... His name is Ultimo Dragon, and it's an easy mistake to correct. And really, Mike, how hard is it to say the word Ultimo? Really, come on. I mean, it's to the point that if I'm, I in my regular day life, if I'm saying the phrase Ultimo, people know who I'm referring to. Like that, that that's <laughs> the thing. And also, like I'm certain I'm getting the time frame a little bit off here, but why would you call him Ultimate Dragon when you have Warrior in that company? Like. That seems completely like a just a huge oversight, and that's not not to mention that Mike Tanay, of all people, should have been able to go like, no, just call him Ultimo. Like that, the, there's just giant. How did this happen? That that's what I'm coming to, Andrew. How did this happen? WCW, man, it's it just that company. That company was very strange. But regardless, we do have another medley of songs here about Ultimo's themes in WCW. So uh, let's hear the Ultimo slash Ultimate slash Ultravox slash Ultramantis Dragon WCW medley. Hit it again, Johnny.
so only four songs in this one, and uh, they are Pacific Zone by Christian LaRue and Daniel Darris, Hard Attack by Christian Paulette and Fabian Chevalier, Tokyo Town by Nikki James and Nigel Sawyer, and 1,000 Sons by David Henschel. And, you know, with the Mexico medley, we had a good amount of variety in terms of the styles of music. This one, uh, not so much, because with the exception of Heart Attack, which is a very 90s, computery, kind of metal-y song, every other song on this one pretty much just says the same thing. And that's, he's Asian. He's Asian. Do you get it? He's Asian. Um, I mean, when you have songs called Pacific Zone and Tokyo Town, not much wiggle room for the genres there, Mike, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I did a little look into these. Almost all of these are straight production library songs. Yes. So it, it, it is something where, I mean, this is the really sad thing that I think that we're only now, like over the, like the last five to ten years, have been able to, like, wrestling industry finally growing up and growing up with society just like applying like oh you're from asia we have to have something that has vaguely asian or or orientalist sounding things like that's the shame about that whereas you look at the titles pacific zone heart attack tokyo town and a thousand suns those are great wrestling thing names though so we <laughs> at least he got better off there i mean i would want my theme used to be called heart attack yeah, I mean, as stereotypical as they can be, um, they are very distinct with their naming. I will give them that, Mike, for sure. I, I, I do wonder, like, so as a production musician, like, you're kind of just turning it out there. You usually have a partner, and that's why, like, most of them have its two composers there. I wonder how you come up with the names. Like, do you listen to, like, the driving beat of Heart Attack, and you go, like, we're going hard there, and it's attacking you? Well... Andrew, it has to be heart attack. My God, I, I've, you've got something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's why I'm imagining it. And yes, this is like a 1980s uh, production music video. You know, like well, they're in the booth. You, you know, like almost exactly like my baby parties all the time is what I'm imagining, <laughs> but with like two dorky guys who kind of look like Hall and Oates. <laughs> yeah, no Rick James this time around. I don't think for uh, for heart attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, you'll be lucky if you get his studio to film the video for heart attack. <laughs> Well, well, it being WCW, you know, these are songs that, you know, a lot of other Japanese wrestlers had over the years in that company. Surprise, surprise. You know, people like Antonio Inoki had these songs and Masahiro Chono and Akira Hokuto and Otani and, and even Shima. You know, when Shima was still Shima Nobunaga, he wrestled in WCW and he had a thousand songs. That's his theme. So just the way it went. And thankfully, nowadays, in a place like AEW or whatever, they'll give someone their own song. But back then, hey, look, if it's good for Pat Tanaka, it's good for Ultimo Dragon, Mike. Yeah, and it, it, it is something that, like, going through DGUSA, and, like, that was, like, a time that, I mean, like, at least from my knowledge, I mean, the, the secret to how your music's getting played is that if you have the CD or if you're able to load it up on the phone. That was not the case back then, and how would it, how could it be the case for Ultimo at that time? But going through DGUSA and at a time where, like, you... You know that they care about that kind of stuff, and you hear an old theme. You're like, oh, okay, we're back to it. But yeah, it, it it's something I, I want to go, and I think he has a book that I've not read that I've heard uh, a lot about. Sonny Ono probably, I know he sued WCW or Turner for uh, racial discrimination, but uh, I, I just because of like that's where everyone went to was WCW. I mean, Yuji Nagata was over in WCW. Manabu Nakanishi. 
WCW. Yeah, like Kurosawa, feel, under the name yeah. Kurosawa, yeah. And I guess it's something that, like, I've recently have uh, gone into, like, stay in hands. And I kind of want to see the inverse of that. Because I feel like WCW was that place. But but as you are saying, like, everyone got the production music. And it was not even something that it was completely slighted toward the Asian wrestlers. It's just everyone had that unless you were friends with Jimmy Hart. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, the idea of reusing these production library songs, that was true regardless of your race or whatever. I mean, so yeah. many guys would just get the same songs over and over again as the years went by. So it's not really like a, a Japanese thing specifically. It was just kind of the way it went. And unfortunately, when you have Japanese wrestlers, they kind of get shafted with the same kind of sound. So it just kind of, you know, that's kind of the reasoning there, I suppose. Yeah. Right. And I, I think there's a lot of it that we have to realize that WCW was a part of Time Warner and Time Warner had all those licenses. Like some of these were Warner's music music. So mm-hmm. they were told to do the, Hey, we we're not paying any money for this. We have our own library. Pick something from that. Yeah. And I also noticed too, with these songs in particular, you know, they don't have as much of a punch to them either. You know, to me, they're more focused on like the exotic nature of the far East, you know, than this guy's a badass. and, you know, say what you will about Van Halen. Panama has a punch to it. It has a drive. It's exciting. It's hard to get excited about. You know, it's it's hard to really get pumped up for that, Mike. You know. Yeah, and, and you know what would be would be like the the interesting compare and contrast. I I I'm blanking on what the final title was it, but Shingo Takagi's Dragon Gate theme, because you have like the traditional instruments and rhythms and like this but you still have the singers and the driving beat that you know like okay singo shingo like the time for him to make his entrance is here he hits his pose on this note and he always would there just isn't that in a lot of production music Mm -hmm. yeah there's no uh personal craftsmanship in those songs like other songs would have unfortunately yeah yeah but um but anyway uh 2003 an unretired Ultimo Dragon signs with WWE, debuting in Madison Square Garden, which is pretty cool. And they last there for about a year in the SmackDown Cruiserweight division. And uh, really, Mike, to me, the two major highlights of Ultimo's run in WWE are A, tripping during his entrance at WrestleMania 20, and B, uh, <laughs> uh, giving Stephanie McMahon the vapors with his dashing good looks thus earning the nickname Ultimo Hottie. And uh, let me tell you, Mike, the alternate timeline where Ultimo Dragon marries Stephanie and we get 15-time world champion Ultimo Dragon and Toriumon take over Brooklyn and all that good stuff, I want to go to there, Mike. I want to go to there. Hey, if current uh, muckrakers and social media scuttlebutt are true, Ultimo still got a chance. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, who's to say that, uh, look, it, uh, I'm surprised we've gone about a half an hour before me talking about it. If you look at Ultimo's Instagram, I know I refer to this a lot in Op- Open the Voice Gate. This guy is leading a pretty idyllic life. Why wouldn't Stephanie McMahon want to go, like, tour the Cohiba factory in Havana? Why wouldn't she want to go to, like, he go- he gets invited to, like, these fancy cocktail parties where it's Ultimo in a tuxedo in his mask. Like, Stephanie would fit in like a glove there i i i I for one am hoping that that rumor is true and that both rumors are true and that they find each other late in life i feel like that'd be good for them Mm -hmm. yeah there was a photo from backstage at mania 20 of uh all the cruiserweight guys because they were on a match together 
And I remember seeing that photo for the first time and being like, who's that Asian guy? I don't recognize him at all. And then I realized, oh my god, that's Ultimo without the mask on. And yeah, he's a good-looking guy. So, you know, I'm sure as time has gone on, he's gotten better with age, too. So yeah, I, I can imagine any lady would be lucky to snag Ultimo, for sure, Mike. I mean, she might have to, like, go do a couple of uh, tours where, I, I mean, Ultimo has his own merch table. Like, the, uh, like, there's Dragon Gate, and you can go get your Madoka Kakuda towel. But you also have to go over to the uh, to the Ultimo table, which has handled its own thing. Maybe it's something that maybe, you know, she's taking a step back. Maybe she's okay with uh, helping out her partner and running his table at Kobe Sumbo Hall once a month. Who's to say? What could have been? What could have been? But listen, never say never, Mike. It's pro wrestling after all. Never say never. Hey, this guy is perfect proof of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But but anyway, uh, Ultimo's WWE theme is by Jim Johnston, and it's called Dragon. Jim got the assignment to do an Ultimo Dragon theme, and damn it, he made an Ultimo Dragon theme. We've got the Dragon Roar sound effect, we've got the Japanese string music and flutes in there as well, and we saw that in the WCW medley, you know, uh, of course as well, but what this has is that oomph that we didn't really have before because of those classic Jim Johnston crunchy guitars. So I think as far as like American company Ultimo Dragon is concerned, I'd say like his theme here really checks off all of the boxes of what you would want and expect from an Ultimo Dragon theme, I suppose, Mike. Yeah, and it it's something where, like as you said, like Jim Johnson like understands how to construct like a wrestling theme. So he he brings in the guitars, adding in the extra element there, having the stinger moments, and it, it, it's something where I outside of Separados, this is the song I identify with Ultimo Dragon. I feel like you mm-hmm. might be similar with yep. how you first came across them it's just a it, it, it's just a great theme song and it fits in and it, it is something that i mean to this day i i know ultimo does carry around his music but i don't I, if i went to an, an indie show that somehow ultimo was there i am not paying my 200 dollars for his mask but i would feel pretty <laughs> okay if instead of separados we heard dragon mm-hmm yeah, I mentioned earlier how when I was a kid, I love the entrance he had in WWE where the music hits, he comes out, he would lift his arms up, and he would bring his hands together, and he would force them down, and fire would blast out of these pyro machines. I thought it was such a cool entrance. And I'd say bring it back, but I don't think Dragon Gate has the pyro budget, unfortunately, for that kind of thing, so... No, can you just imagine, like, small town, like, uh, 200 people there, 
and then they have fireworks. They're, they they did do pyro for like one hometown show, but it was paid for for the network. Ultima would bankrupt them easily. Bankrupt <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting is that uh, after Ultimo left WWE, this song was uh, later used by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This became his song there, which makes sense, you know, Dragon and Dragon, of course. But on uh, the album WWE Uncaged, uh, this song in particular is listed as Ricky's theme. And on Uncaged 2, there's another song called Dragon listed as Ultimo's theme. of this song without the Asian music elements in there, without the flutes, the strings. It's just a dragon roar at the start and the guitarists. But Ultimo never used that version. He only used this version. So it can be a little bit confusing there if you check out you know, the albums, because as far as I know, Mike, this is the only WWE song Ultimo had. Yeah, and I want to remember, I might be wrong about this, but I want to remember that I feel like Dragon if you go on the network for themes that are dubbed over, especially like in the 80s when they would have other music playing before they had their own production music, I feel like Dragon got used a whole lot as a just a dub over theme, especially for like the WCW stuff when like you would have Anoki or others showing up. I feel like you hear Dragon a whole lot even outside of the Ultima context. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't shock me at all. Right, yeah. Um, especially for Ricky, who had, you know, Sirius as his song. Oh, absolutely. So, um, if they dub that over with Dragon, then yeah, I, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. So the final part of the episode here, the piece de resistance, is the song that Ultimo is best known for using over the years. He's had it since the 90s in various promotions like New Japan, War, Michinoku Pro, Dragon Gate, obviously, All Japan, America, Mexico, etc., 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 it's by Luis Miguel off the album Busca Una Mujer. This is Separados.
So I'll be honest, Mike, um, for a second, I thought about pulling a Dragon Gate Network and playing the first few seconds of this song and then muting it right away, you know, for the rest of it. Just, <laughs> just, just for the gag, you know, just, just to be funny, but I, I thought better of it. So, yeah. Just play right until the tempo changes and then immediately just say like that this audio has been muted for licensing reasons. Yes. <laughs> a big robot voice with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but anyway, yes, this is the iconic Ultimo theme and, you know, on its face... It's kind of a random pick. This Latin pop song about the anguish of separated lovers, it doesn't really scream pro wrestling or Ultimo Dragon. But again, if you know Ultimo's backstory, if you know about his time in Mexico and his immersion into that culture, then him having a Spanish song makes a lot more sense. You know, I'm sure he heard this song on the radio when he was in Mexico, perhaps, or he bought the album over there and thought, you know what? I want this as my song. Uh, Again, topic-wise, it may be a bit unfitting, but culturally and personally you could see why he would have it mike yeah and i think the cultural thing is what makes this so special uh it wasn't until i ultimo came back in 2019 that i came across luis miguel i had no awareness of who this guy was and because of separados and like discovering about luis miguel so for people who don't know he uh, his nickname is el sol de mexico I said soul, not hijo. So he's the son of Mexico. He is considered, and Frank Sinatra said this as much when he was alive. He's considered the Latin Frank Sinatra. His before Bad Bunny was a thing. He had all the highest-grossing tours in Mexico and, and across Latin America. And have you had a chance to watch Luis Miguel uh, perform this song? Like I know I've been going off about this. Like he is such like a magnetic performer that it makes sense that ultimo maybe was like flipping through the channels or was in the car in the late 80s early 90s and he heard this and he's immediately like oh that is me and what with a song that all the lyrics are in spanish uh, uh luis miguel is the one like major latin american musician who never crossed over to english in the 90s so when you talk about selena or gloria stefan he was the one who stuck to his guns but the, the lyrics in Spanish, it makes a lot of sense how this would resonate with someone as soulful as one Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, besides everything, it's a great song. I mean, the opening with the dun 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 on the keyboards, and it builds up with the background choir, and ah, the bass line's popping, and, and, and you know, Luis Miguel is just pitch perfect in the song. The chorus is so catchy, too. I mean, lyrics aside, it's a damn good entrance theme, Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It It, it is, like, you could totally see, like, like the rising crescendo i think is the thing and it it, it's something where the the, of his old themes the ones that kind of reminds me more of at least of the style is vangelis and it has like a certain like late 80s heavy synth tone to it harpsichord like the electric harpsichord and it, it it is something that's befitting of a legend it is a theme song that if you're ultimo dragon you could come up to the song and everyone's like oh yeah this is ultimo this is this is that you, you can't have uh, Kaito Nagano come out to this music without it outright <laughs> being on its face. I mean, there's a reason why they made a big joke on when uh, Big R or Big Boss Shimizu, I always call him Big R, Big Boss Shimizu became Bukotomo Dragon and did his own cover of Separados as his theme music. There's a reason why that works so well because this is such an emblematic and, and just... Uh, just like a legendary song that it does not make sense for anyone else other than Ultima. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, at this point, it would feel weird for him to not have the song. Like, we've just gotten so used to it over the years, it just feels right for him to come out to it. And would it be easier if they didn't have to mute it every time on the network when he comes out? Sure, of course, but it's Ultimo Dragon. Like, he's going to come out to Separados whether you can play it or not. It's just the way it goes, Mike. Yeah, and uh, we asked Jay Church one of the times he was on Open the Voice Gate. Uh, for those who don't know, Jay is the English broadcaster for Dragon Gate. And also, basically, if there's anything you see out of Dragon Gate that isn't English, Jay translated that for you. But he actually explained to me the entire scenario about why they have this uh, muted versus like the other music, or as some of the other reason, like, Separados is a uniquely difficult, uh, a uniquely difficult song for them to license, and they want to do this. They, they don't want to mute it, but it's just everything. I mean, when you're dealing with someone who, like Luis Miguel, is that big of a star, things are run a little different with them. So it, the, it's going to be muted, I guess, into perpetuity unless Ultima wants to do his own cover, which he might. Yeah, try getting a Taylor Swift song licensed and see how much that runs you. You know, I mean, he's, yeah, he's huge. And uh, I think a few years ago, Billboard did this uh, list of like the you know greatest Latin American artists of all time. Enrique Iglesias was number one. He was number two. So yeah, he's just a, a monster icon of a guy for sure. And he has an incredible head of hair. Like yes. I'm looking at this photo. Have you, you've seen the album art for this oh. right now. I've Gorgeous the, the, the man. Genius, Gorgeous man. The, I have the genius page pulled up. I have the album art. Uh, he looks like he's never uh, he's never spent a day inside. Uh, perfect tan. And his hair, uh, it, it's what Tetsuya Naito wishes he could do. <laughs> yeah. Just flowing. Wild just flowing. Mane. Just flowing. Yeah. And, and also this too. Um, this is not the only Luis Miguel song we played on the show before. Uh, because Akira Hokuto came out to Oro Delay. That was her song. And you want to talk about odd dichotomies. Uh, Akira Hokuto, this violent, badass woman, just having these crazy, hard-hitting matches and coming out to Oro Delay. <laughs> now that's an odd dichotomy, Mike. Yeah, and it's like, I, I, I think it's something where, uh, uh, of course, with Hokuto, you have LCO as like a reason why they would she would have come across it i just i wonder like if it's one of those things that if you are going to work abroad like what would happen nowadays like i don't know if you're able to like come across like someone who is just like such like a tour of the force within their own culture that like you're like oh i'm wrestling in mexico if I get a Luis Miguel song, that's probably going to endear me to local crowds. I don't know if you could do that anymore. I don't know, like if if somehow you you would go and find like a Black Pink song or like as you were saying Taylor Swift. I don't know if you could do that, but I feel like Luis Miguel is at least within Mexico is kind of a figure that it would, I, I I I'm certain that Akira Hokuto and Ultimo Dragon were touched and they were like, oh, I had to have Luis. Miguel is my theme music, but th- there's a part of me that wonders on the on the other side of the coin. That's a pretty crafty maneuver. For sure, for sure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mad. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Mike, thank you again for being here. Always so much fun when you're on here, talking about the uh, various peoples of Dragon Gate world, and uh, no one bigger than Ultimo Dragon, that's for sure. So uh, thanks, man. This was just a real blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Ultimo is someone that 
I I feel like one day I will have like a fully formed like complete uh take on him but but until then it's ever evolving so it and like his music ever evolving until he found the perfect thing one day i'll come to that but thank you again for having me on it's always been so much fun coming on music of the mat and talking theme music with you andrew thank you again oh of course of course uh any plugs you want to give go right ahead oh yeah absolutely so the best way to uh keep track of me is to on Twitter, uh, Fujiheya on Twitter, I am co-host Open the Voice Gate. Every week with K-Slow, we, uh, I would argue that uh, no one covers an individual genre or a promotion of wrestling as well as we do at Open the Voice Gate, but we've been doing that uh, for seven years now, and uh, we're in the thick of post-Kobe World King of Gate tournament season, so it's a fun time to pick up that as well. As well, uh, Spears of Asians is my loosely named collection of other wrestling products i stream twice a week right now on there you can come check me out on wednesdays at uh 12 30 central uh lunchtime streams and then friday at 1 30 as well i'm still trying to i'm still trying to play fight forever andrew and i've kind of come to a point of it that it doesn't feel like a complete game but we'll, but but we're going to try to figure that out more on stream and, you, and that's twitch.tv slash I believe in you, Mike. I believe in you all the way. So I got your back, man, for sure. I got turned on by Pac. What? Me, America's sweetheart. Turn on by Pac. Oh, what a the, what a bastard. What a bastard. I, I mean, what a bastard. I mean, I'm the person first and foremost. I I don't think anyone who follows the way of the hammer is devoutly as I do. <laughs> uh, but thanks again, Andrew. This was an absolute blast. And thanks for having me on again. Definitely, definitely. And uh, Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like Open the Voice Gate. You can find other great shows on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big Donate button. Beneath the name of Music of the Mat, or Open the Voice Gate, either one's fine. If you donate, hey, thanks so much, you're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Mike, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thank you. All right, for Mike Spears, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.